We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. As I mentioned to you, my mom was very instrumental. She came when I was six years old. She had gone to the doctor, not feeling well. Came home, told us she had cancer, and she said, "We're going to church." Five children. I was four out of five, and uh, I'd never heard of what a church was. Didn't know anything about it. Uh, six years old when we went to church that first uh, Sunday morning. They put me in the nursery with my little brother. Uh, I didn't know why they did that. I was six years old, but after a little while, I learned why they put me in there because you're supposed to sit still and be quiet in church. I didn't know that. So that was new to me, but it was there that my mama, sitting right on the back pew, the right side of that little old town, small town church that I heard about Jesus. And eight years old, I trusted in Christ My life's never been the same. So Mother's Day is a special day for me. I'm blessed to live with Holly, who's a wonderful mother and grandmother. And uh, so I just honor all you ladies here tonight. Um, As we look at this passage, I told uh, Ashley works in our office. I'm not going to be preaching a Mother's Day passage or sermon this week, this uh, year. Uh, I normally do that. I, I, I take time to whatever we're looking at to look at the season, what we're going through. And then lo and behold, this passage that we're in, in Mark, the right next section, is one of the most perfect passages for you moms. So I want to ask you to turn with me to Mark chapter 7. I'll go ahead and read these verses. It's the story of a woman you're probably very familiar with. We'll read here in Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. Mark chapter 7, verse 24 through 30. Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre. When he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it, yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first. For it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, because of this answer, go, the demon's gone out of your daughter and going back to her home. She found the child lying on the bed, the demon having left. One of the miracles of Jesus we've seen in the gospel of Mark, several miracles Jesus has done. They've been primarily among the Jews. Jesus had made it clear, I am sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. There's going to be a time when Gentiles are offered salvation, but it wasn't at this time. So he is headed toward uh, the Jews, doing miracle after miracle, preaching the gospel, teaching his lessons to his disciples. And now there's a shift in our story in the gospel of Mark. Jesus is headed toward the Gentile region. And when it says he went up from there, he's traveling about 30 miles from where he previously was. The passage right above this, Jesus is going to go 30 miles away. You and I can do that in a few moments, in a few minutes here, Um, depending on who's driving in our family. Let me put it that way. Uh, You can get there at a certain time. But it it was a journey for them. 30 miles was a long, long ways away. Jesus went to the land of Tyre. Your Bible might have Tyre and Sidon. Some of the manuscripts have that in there. They're usually together. And that's the land of the Gentiles. 
Jesus is going to go do miracles. You remember he's already done the feeding of the 5,000. 5,000 men, women and children, above that, Jews. He's headed toward and going to feed 4,000 at another time. And it's going to be uh, among uh, the region of, in the region of the, the Gentiles. Showing that the gospel is going to be for both. To the Jews offered first and then to the Gentile later on. Uh, in Isaiah, uh, there, he would be a light unto the Gentiles. A prophecy of what was going to come. So he's gone about 30 miles. These were port cities. If you've ever been there to Israel, you've seen the Mediterranean Sea. It is beautiful, the beautiful blue water. A port city in that day was very uh, valuable to have that location because the merchant ships could come in. It was a very wealthy part of the world. Uh, in David's time, back in the Old Testament, the, the uh, people in Israel and Tyre and Sidon got along really well. But shortly after that, if you remember studying in Ezekiel 28, possibly, uh, the king over Tyre uh, spins off. He, he is, in fact, it's a prophecy about him and about Satan also that this king lifts himself up and wants to be God. He gets so enthralled with fame and popularity and wealth, Tyre and Sidon, that he claims to be God. And so uh, when Jerusalem was destroyed in 586 BC, Tyre and Sidon loved it. Because now we can even have a stronger economy. We can have a stronger port city, make more money because those Jews are out of the way. So what would it be today? Lebanon. If you've been there in Israel, perhaps you've gone to the place where that was a kind of a uh, demilitarized, demilitarized zone north uh, in Israel. Bunkers are still there from uh, wars in the past. They don't let you go across the fence because there's still unexploded, unexploded ordinances out there in that, that land. And when those guides, who are usually Jewish, Jewish people, when they point, they call that the enemy. And they're talking about Lebanon. Lebanon. So that is the place that we're at, modern-day Lebanon. Many miracles have been done among the Jews, and now Jesus is headed toward Gentile country. He got up and went from there. When he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it. Uh, when someone becomes famous, uh, some of us think that would be awesome to be famous. You could get a better seat on the, the, the airplane. You could get uh, ushered into the restaurants. You could get a lot of perks in this world, but how quickly would all that get old and and? Everywhere you went, you know, somebody recognized you. They want an autograph. They want to tell you what you've done right. They want to tell you what you've done wrong. Sometimes we can be famous and just be miserable because of that. Well, Jesus, who gets tired just like you and I do, is trying to say, I want to get to a place where I can be quiet, be with my disciples. But it says he wanted no one to know of it, yet he could not escape notice. Jesus couldn't get away from the crowds because so many of them want the miracles that Jesus could perform. Now, Jesus is about to be interrupted. How many of you could raise your hand and say, I just love to be interrupted? When I'm talking and telling one of my favorite stories, I just loves it when, well, love it when somebody interrupts me. When I'm going to do something I can't wait to do and it's fun, I just love it when life inter interrupts me and I can't do that. Is there anyone that likes that? We don't, do we? Interruptions bother us. 
They affect us. They annoy us. And sometimes they just derail our plans. But I have found in my life, and I can back it up with many times in the scripture, uh, see a woman that uh, Jesus is going with a man to heal his child. And that woman presses through the crowd, you remember, and says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. He interrupted Jesus while he's going to heal another man's little child. If you were that dad, how would you feel? Wait a minute. He's going to my house. What are you stopping him for? My child is in great need. But you know what? I've I've seen often in the scripture and often in my life, God is in the interruptions. A lot of times in my testimony, I share about times when I was going somewhere, doing something, thinking something was about to happen, and God caused something to change my plans, to interrupt me. And so in this circumstance here, there's an interruption, but we'll see whether it turns out to be good or bad. Uh, After hearing him, verse 25, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, and I want to stop right there. She had heard about Jesus. I can't imagine that they didn't have technology like we do today where you can put something on the internet and surround the world in one second. But I want to tell you, the news of Jesus probably spread pretty quickly. No one had ever healed a blind man that was blind from birth. No one had healed lame people with lame uh, feet and hands and arms. No one had raised a man from the dead like Jesus did with Lazarus. That would get around, wouldn't it? People would be so excited and they want to come see. I think about today. Uh, whenever we find a really good restaurant, what do we tell people? It's the best chicken fried steak I've ever had. If you're from up north or you're listening from up north, let me tell you what chicken fry is. You do not know what it is, but what do you do? You go find that restaurant. Now, it may be an old building in a back alley in a place that you really wouldn't go for any other reason, but you've heard it has the best chicken fry and you're gonna go. Anybody know Mary's in Strawn? I'm going to give a plug for Mary's and Strong. Is it pretty good? It's also about this big. You know, it's half a cow when you order it. Uh, she's, world, she, she's known all over the world. People fly their helicopters in there to eat at Mary's. And it's a little town in west, further west Texas. You've got to be going there to get there. You don't ever pass going somewhere else because it is a destination you have to find. But you go find it because you've heard about it. Well, I can just picture the people hearing about Jesus. If I had lived during that time, I'd want to go see this guy. I'd want my children to see him. I'd want my wife and my family. And certainly if I had somebody that was sick in my family or crippled or somebody that was in need or somebody that was, that was uh, tormented by something, I would want to get them as close to Jesus. You remember the guys that tore the roof off? They did something desperate to get their friend to Jesus. I'd want to do that same thing if I'd heard about him. So this woman had, after hearing about him, could I ask you uh, in your life personally here tonight, is there anyone that comes to your mind when I ask you this question? Is there someone that needs to hear about Jesus and you probably could be the one to tell them? Did somebody's name just pop in your mind at that time? This morning, a friend of mine walked up and said, Mike, I want to show you a picture. And it was a picture of two of our faithful men that serve in the um, 
jail ministry. Lloyd Campbell and, uh, and uh, yes, quarterback at, at, uh, at Oklahoma, Ken, uh, Ken Cofelt. So these two guys, and have a younger man, and they've all got their arms around each other, a nice picture. Well, this friend of mine in our church hired a contractor way down south to build some things on a property they have long ways away from here. And when he found out that she lived here in Denton, he asked her what church she went to, Denton Bible Church, and he said, that's my beginning. Showed her a picture of this contractor, this young man, and Ken and Lloyd Campbell with their arms around him. And he said, I was in jail. And these two men came into the jail where I was at and they taught me about Jesus every week. And God changed my life. When I got out of jail, I came to church. We took that picture and I want you to know that Denton Bible is my beginning there in the faith in Jesus. It was great. And so my friend this morning went and took a picture with Ken Cofell, his arm around her and sent it to her contractor down south. That's what ought to be happening. Is there someone in your mind, in your heart tonight that you know you could be the very one to tell them about Jesus? Well, I want to encourage you to do that. Before you leave tonight, text them. When you get up, go see them. Call them on the phone. Do whatever you need to. But would you be ready to tell someone about Jesus? Because somebody was ready to tell you. Hearing of him, a woman comes. Now, every time that I look in this, John chapter 8, other passages, the woman going through to touch the hem of his garment, I ask the question in my own mind, where's the man? There's a lot of instances in the scripture that deal with a woman, and I ask the question, where's the, where's the man? Where's the husband? Where's the dad? You ladies, we've already told you happy Mother's Day, but I want to tell you something. You are... You're so valuable to the kingdom of God. I have seen God use ladies in such tremendous ways in helping to serve and to build the church. And, and so don't you ever let anyone minimize. Another thing I'll just mention right here, and, and then I'll get off this subject, but sometimes we say, well, what, what, is your, uh, what does your dad do? And you say, well, this is his career. What is your mom? Well, she's just... I want to encourage you never to use the word just anymore when you say she's just a housewife or she's just a mom. Tommy said this morning, he used that great illustration of a woman who has management over her domicile that she is to be the one who makes that house a home. And so I honor you ladies here tonight and I always ask, where's the man? But nevertheless, here's a mama, probably a single woman, and she's heard about Jesus. We don't know the circumstances. There may be a husband at home. There may be a dad. He may be working. He may be ill. He might have already been deceased. We don't know. But it's certain that this woman has a child with a tremendous need. Now, before I go any further, I won't mention uh, uh, too much about this need. But it could be physical. It could be mental. It could be emotional. It could be spiritual. It could be financial. I don't know about you. Some of you might have grown up with plenty of food to eat, and I'm so grateful. I want you to have plenty of food. I love to take people out to lunch, and, and uh, uh, I just love to do that. I love to do it, and, and oftentimes I just want to buy everybody's lunch. And people say, why do you do that? Why do you do that? I want to tell you, probably for the first time, some of you that know me well, 
one of the reasons why I do that. I was that little boy, I'm not complaining, but I was that little boy when in uh, the boys' choir that I grew up singing with that went around the country, uh, when we'd have longer practices, we had to be there at lunchtime. And all the other children brought out their lunch boxes and they brought out their food that they had for lunch and I had to go sit with the choir director and she had extra bread and extra bologna. I didn't know it at the time, but I didn't know why I didn't have a lunch and all the rest of the kids did. It would be very, very often that I was not the only one with her. Sometimes another child there, but most of the time it was me. I knew a time when I made the all-stars in basketball in elementary school and everybody was gonna buy a brand new pair of shoes. A store in the town had the shoes ready in all the sizes we needed, but it cost a lot of, my, a lot of money and I watched my mother go without food herself to save money so I could have a pair of basketball shoes. Those things affect you. And I didn't understand it all the time, but when I look back, I see many, many of those things that my mom did for me and for my brothers and sisters in selfless acts of sacrifice to show and prove she was gonna take care of us no matter what it took. And I just want to tell you something. A godly mama that takes care of her family and her children, no matter what it takes, I tell you there's going to be special places in heaven for you. And I honor you here tonight. You may be listening online and you're alone. You may have a baby crying right now you have to go take care of. You don't know whether the food or the diapers will be there tomorrow. You be faithful and you cry out to Jesus and he will hear that cry. Church, we need to be involved in helping take care of them, amen? You know that thing that Jake, Jake just told us about, that open house at Vision Ministry. What a wonderful way to learn how to help the rest of the people of our community. So this woman, here's Jesus, and she has a little daughter. Can you remember, those of you who are parents, what it was like when you first saw that little human? It's a miracle, you cannot deny it's a miracle. Somebody hands you that little, and you remember how little they are. You know, they grow up pretty fast. I love to watch those professional football players on television. And do you notice when the camera comes on them and they've just scored a touchdown, who do they say hello to? Hi, mom. They don't say anything to their dad. They don't say anything to their brothers, cousins, and sisters. They say, hi, mom. But I love it when there's one of those giant men, you know, that I'd have to do this to touch his shoulder and this little old mama down here and he's got his arm around his mama. That's the way it ought to be, honoring your mom for what she is. But this mama had a little daughter. You've had the joy of your children or grandchildren or you will know that or you've shared in other people's joy. It truly is a tremendous blessing. I, my life was changed immediately when I heard that first cry. Our son was born 30 something years, a little over 30 years ago. And I'll never forget, my wife had to stay in the hospital a little while. She loves when I tell these stories, by the way. She's probably not listening tonight. I love you if you are, Holly. But they, she had to stay in the hospital a few days with, uh, after she gave birth. So the nurses would just feed him, take care of him, bring him to us. We'd play with him and send him back to the nurses. And I'll never forget the first time they brought him to us. He's in the room. I'm there with Holly and, and uh, the little one. And he has a, one of the worst diapers. 
I won't go into it here tonight. It's not theological. But do you know what newborn babies' diapers are like? Uh, if you don't, ask somebody to tell you if you're brave. And they will tell you what that's like. Well, I know because of my perception and my keen insight that this little one is having one of those diapers right now. And the first thing I think is, where are those nurses? And it dawned on me. Oh, wait a minute. This little one's ours. And I made a commitment that day. I made a commitment to change the very first diaper. And uh, that way I could always tell my wife and my son, I changed your first one. I'm not going to tell you how many I changed after that. Holly can tell you about that, and she will readily tell you how many I changed, but I changed the first one. But I, now, is that not something? A grown man realizing, well, wait a minute. These nurses are not going to be around forever. This child's going home with us. We're responsible to keep him alive. And we have to change him. We have to bathe him. We have to feed him. We have to protect him. This mama knew the joy of having a baby girl. Oh my goodness, we've got one of each. I don't know how any parent could be any more blessed than to have a little baby. This little baby is two years old now, though, and something's wrong. And my heart goes out. And guys, many are facing a courageous and, and living a courageous battle because they deal with mental issues. They deal with physical issues. And I honor them. I, I praise God for the strength that he gives people to go through adversity. Here tonight, I see a brother back there. Good to see you, brother. Go through adversity like none of us have never, never even imagined. But there was something different about this little baby, this little girl. She had a demon and I want to tell you something. There is no terror. The Taliban and ISIS and the Chaldeans or the, the Babylonians of old or the Roman Empire, the Ninevites who were vicious, vicious people, I want to tell you what, there is no terrorism like what Satan can do. I hope you've never been around that. I hope you've never been involved with it, but it's real here in our world today. And this, little, this woman had this little girl and of all things, she is possessed by a demon. An unclean spirit, the Bible said. Now that's unthinkable. How could that precious little infant that we would say is just innocent and hasn't done anything wrong to deserve this, how could this happen to this little Precious, beautiful little girl. Well, there's a lot of questions we don't know the answer to and we won't know till we get to heaven. But if you're a mom or a dad here tonight, you're getting just an inkling, grandparent, getting just an inkling of what this mom might have felt that day. Of hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit. Let me ask you something, mothers that are here tonight. Is there anything you would not do for your child? Is there anything you wouldn't do for them to protect them, care for them, give them something they need? I don't think so. God just gives you ladies, mamas, something special to do that. Oftentimes we tell stories about mama turning into mama bear. You ever been there? Go to a little league game sometime. 
Be the umpire if you would like to, if you're brave, if you have life insurance. Be the umpire of that game and call their little one out or call them balls when that mama thinks they're strikes. And you will see this nice, petite, genteel lady turn into a monster because you have called her little boy out on second base. I promise you, I've watched it all my life. Mamas turn into mama bear. Now, I asked permission to do something, but I want to watch, ask you to watch something real quickly. If you'll listen to this as you're watching this video, I asked permission of a friend of mine who was filming something in the mountains one time. And uh, let's see if we can pull that up, if you don't mind. Nate? Listen. The first time I heard that, I thought I was going to have to call the ambulance again for uh, the, the heart rate that went up. That's a friend of ours. Is she here tonight? She thought she might be here tonight. Filming three little cub bears coming down the mountain, real cute. Turned over there with her phone and saw Mama Bear, but they had watched Mama Bear walk down the street earlier, and she was just walking. But that bear was on a mission this time because this woman was paying too much attention to her cubs. She didn't realize she was in the, the entryway of a cabin with the door open. She didn't realize until the bear got about this close, Mama Bear, and that that you heard was Mama Bear letting my friend know, don't you mess with my cubs. And you can hear her friend saying, Sherry, Sherry. That's what a Mama Bear does. That's what a mama does. There's nothing that that mama wouldn't do. And I guarantee there's nothing this woman wouldn't do on behalf of her little girl. Could I ask you, uh, what do you think she's tried? Do you think she probably had taken her little girl to the scribes, Pharisees, some of the religious leaders in Israel? Probably so. Do you think she had taken her to the physicians of the day? She might have taken them in places we never even dreamed about because what would you do? You would do anything to see your little girl free from that bondage that she is under. When this woman, after hearing of Jesus, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, immediately, if you keep in count, that's number 26 in Mark, immediately came and fell at his feet. Now what you're gonna see in just a moment is the attitude of this woman. I don't know what I would have been like that day. Their people come today and they tell you about their rights. They demand what ought to be done for them. And they tell you what you're going to do on their behalf. That's not the way this woman came. She came humbly, bowing before Jesus and literally fell at his feet. Now, the woman was a Gentile. I mean, women, we've got to be honest here. Jesus is not sent to the Gentiles right now. He is sent to the Jews. He is, he is uh, faithfully doing the commandment that the Messiah would be speaking and, and ministering to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He is keeping the Bible, keeping the word of God. But this woman 
is in great, great need. She falls down at his feet, and it says this was a woman of the Syrophoenician race. That's telling what, where she's from. The political affiliation is mentioned. She's a Syrian, and the Romans would have known exactly, hearing her dialect, the way she spoke, they would have known exactly what province and what territory she was from. She was a Syrian, but she spoke Greek. She wasn't from Greek, but, uh, but Greece, but she spoke Greece in Assyrian. And Phoenicia is uh, a, a place where many of the Gentiles lived. Matthew calls her a Canaanite woman, if you read this same story in Matthew. So she fell at Jesus' feet, a Gentile, the Syrophoenician race. And again, how many dealings do the Jews have with people of other races? Zero. So this woman has everything going against her. She has everything. Men didn't talk to women in that day. Jews didn't talk to Gentiles in that day. She's probably not upper class in any way. There were so many divisions. If we think we have uh, divisions here today, I can't imagine what it was like for Jesus' time. She's the wrong woman at the wrong place at the wrong time, and yet she's the right woman at the right place at the right time because of who Jesus was. She fell at his feet, and it said she kept asking him. I don't know how many times she said it, but that phrase there tells us she didn't just nonchalantly say, oh, by the way, Jesus, I've heard about you, and would you, while you're just thinking about it, would you maybe say a prayer for my daughter? That's not the way that happened. She is begging. She is begging. Jesus of Galilee, would you do something? I believe she is at her wit's end. She would give all she has. She would give her own life at this point. Please deliver my little daughter. Pray for families here today because families are praying that same thing for their little ones, their teenagers, their adult family members that have gone astray. She kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Howard Hendricks said this, and I always remember what are you trusting God for today that only he could do? Let me say that again. What are you trusting God for today that only he could do? Could this woman heal her daughter? No. Could she cast the demon out? No. There's nothing in her power to help her little girl. She had to trust something bigger, stronger, higher, more powerful than herself. And you and I need to do that too. If you may say, well, I've never been in a position where I couldn't help myself. Be careful. Because God can get you in a position where you cannot lift your head. You can be like a little baby and you cannot lift your head and he'll show you you can't take another breath except I do it for you. She kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Is there, uh, is there a good quality in the scripture of persistence? You remember that widow that's knocking on the judge's door and she just keeps knocking and keeps knocking? And, it, and the, the, man, the, the scripture says the man gets up and helps her not because... He's a good judge or because he cares about that woman. He just gets up because she keeps on knocking. Persistence. You're not going to wear God out asking him. I've prayed it 500 times. Pray 600 times. You're not going to tire God out and he'll tell you, you know, I've heard it already. Leave me alone for a while. He won't say that to you. She kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter and he was saying to her, let the children... Who's that? Who are the children here? The Jews. He says, let the children be satisfied first. 
Now that word there is very important first, okay? Because we're going to see that in just a few moments how important it is. Let the children, the Jews, that's who I'm sent to, let them be satisfied first, for it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Jesus is on a mission. He's headed to Israel, not the Gentiles, and yet he's going now to the city where the Gentiles were big. Some people read this passage as though Jesus was being very, very rude to her. When you look at the Greek words, that's not what he was saying at all. The word dogs, if the Jews were calling Gentile dogs, that was the word kuan, K-U-A-N in Greek. And it meant a scavenger. It meant a mangy, old, wild dog. That's not the word that's used here. Kunarion is the Greek word that's used here. And that is a word for your little puppy. This is your pet. And he's saying there, just using an illustration, if you have children and you have a little puppy in the house, the kids are going to eat first. You don't feed your little puppy. And then he's not using the same derogatory term that a Jew would call Gentiles as being dogs here. I remember reading that for many years and thinking, well, why did he say it that way? He's not being rude at all. He's using this as an illustration. How is it important for us to honor the Jews? Romans eleven eighteen. do not be arrogant toward the branches, but if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. We are supposed to honor Israel. We as Gentiles have been grafted in they are the root. They are the chosen people of God, and God's invited us to join in with them. So we don't boast against the root. We honor Israel. One of the most fearful things I think American can do is turn our back on Israel. We've got a lot of other problems we need to get fixed, don't we? But one of the most fearful things we could do is turn our backs on Israel. I will bless them that bless thee, God said, and I will curse them that curse thee. Study all of history. Nations that have blessed Israel have been blessed by God. Nations that have cursed Israel have been utterly destroyed and wiped off this planet. God keeps his word. So he was saying it's not good to take the children's bread, using an illustration that if you had a little pet, you know exactly what it was like, and throw it to the dogs. I got another picture I want to ask Nate to put up. Can you picture that with a little child? Can you imagine? Now these are my grandchildren right here. One of them's a little hairier than the other one. This is Augie on the left. He's a Labradoodle. And Augie, at first, didn't know what to think about. This is Luca on the right. That's our grandson who'll be a year old on Wednesday. And you can't tell that I'm pretty tickled of having him, can you? Uh, uh, Luca is the boss of the family. Augie used to be the boss of that household until this other little baby showed up that didn't look like him and was different, and he gets most of the attention now. But Luca's big enough now, and it's one for you, and one for me, and one for you. And Augie thinks this little guy's not too bad now because he's big enough to drop crumbs. He's big enough to share some of the carrots and some of the food at the dinner table. Now, my son had been sharing with that dog his whole life when his wife didn't know it underneath the table. But now, the children are eating first but little Luca wants to share with Augie. That's the illustration that God's using. Not a ferocious, vicious, ugly, mangy, terrible dog that wants to do something bad. Your puppy. Your puppy. 
Verse 28, Jesus said, don't you know, it's not right to take the, the food from the children and give it to dogs. And she could have said, how dare you? How dare you call me a dog? I have rights. Doesn't that sound like an American today? She could have just blasted or tried to blast Jesus with her word, but she didn't do that at all. She's already fallen at his feet. And she took an opportunity to take Jesus' words and embrace them. Look at verse 28. But she answered and said to him, yes, Lord. Do you know the Bible says you can't call Jesus Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit? There's something special that this woman called him Lord. And she said, yes. You mean to tell me this woman's going to take that? She's not going to stand up for herself? She's going to be a doormat and let somebody just walk away? No, she is humbly bowing before the creator of the universe and says, yes, Lord, I'm a dog. I'm a Gentile. You're doing all these miracles for the Jews. Oh, could I just have a little crumb? I don't need the cake. I don't need all the food on the table. But could I just have a little crumb that your people are getting? She answered and said to him, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. Isaiah 1, 18 is a great verse. It says, come, let us reason together. This is God talking. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. They'll be red like crimson. They'll be white as wool. God says, come to the supper table. Let's sit down and talk it over. Let's reason together. You realize that's the God that we deal with? He's not a tyrant. He's not a, a cruel dictator who doesn't want us to be around. He says, come on, let's sit down and talk about it. And when she reasoned with Jesus, you're right, Jesus. And by the way, you want to be blessed in your life, church person? Tell Jesus how right he is. You just keep telling God how good his word is and how right he is, and you watch how he blesses you. Yes, Lord. But even the children want crumbs that fall from the children's table. She was respectful. She was humble. She's at his feet already. She didn't argue with him. She was wise, very serious in her show of her need and love. She agreed with Jesus. And, and by the way, she knew that he could do something for her daughter that she couldn't do. There's nothing this mama, mama bear, wouldn't do for her little daughter. Matthew Henry says this, Christ never put any from him that fell at his feet. Isn't that interesting? You ever find anybody in the scripture that fell down humbly before Jesus that he told him to get away? Which a poor trembling soul may do. She was a good woman, so a good mother. This sent her to Christ. His saying, let the children first be filled, <coughs> shows that there was mercy for the Gentiles. There's that word first. The Jews get it first, but that tells us the Gentiles are going to get it later on. That's why it's written that way. There is mercy for the Gentiles and not far off. She spoke not as making light of the mercy, but magnifying the abundance of miraculous cures among the Jews. She's not jealous and saying, yeah, you've done all that among the Jews. She's glad that he's done that among the Jews. In comparison with which a single cure was but a crumb. Thus, while proud Pharisees are left by the blessed Savior, he manifests his compassion to poor, humbled sinners who look to him for children's bread. He still goes about to seek and to save the lost. Isn't that beautiful? It wasn't the scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees that got this wonderful healing and miracle from God 
from Jesus who were proud and said that they were of God and Jesus was not. It was a lowly woman who bowed herself at his feet and begged him for just a little crumb, a crumb that fell from the table. I think this lady would have done anything for her daughter, but the passage teaches us she did the best thing. She went where she needed to go. She went to Jesus. I was talking with a woman one time whose son... I could tell she was upset, and I said, ma'am, are you okay? And she was crying, and I said, ma'am, what can I do for you? She said, my son's in prison. And I put myself in that position, and I just don't know how. Right now, there's a family in our church that has a son that is, that is in China, and China will not let him leave. Uh, he's not a Chinese person. He went there for business. He has been uh, not allowed to leave, and he's in a dangerous situation. And as the dad with a broken heart has said, Pastor, would you pray for me? We've had people in our missions department and, and people around in our church trying everything they could to talk to uh, governing officials here in the United States to help this man. But I thought about, what if that was my son in China? And they're telling me I can't do anything. I don't know where he's at tonight. If he has food, is he safe? Is somebody trying to hurt him? We need to do everything we can for those that we can. And most of all, that they might be saved. Feed them, protect them, give them the clothes to wear and shelter and a nice place to lay down, but make sure they hear about Jesus because that's more important than anything. This lady is saying to Jesus, yes, Lord, I'm just a little puppy and I don't claim to be one of your chosen people, but I'd just love to watch if any of these Jews drop a few crumbs from the table, could I just have a little one? Just a little one. And notice she wasn't even asking for herself. She's asking for someone else, for her daughter. Boy, this is a, this is a good Mother's Day passage. This is a real mom that loved her little girl. And finally, Jesus says in verse 29, and he said to her, because I feel like it, because you give me money, because you're important, because you're, no, he just said, because of this answer, he saw faith, he saw humility, he saw trust. The world says now all over our social media and all of our shows we watch on television, you put yourself first. You put yourself in front of everyone else. You exalt, you love yourself. And we actually have people that are worshiping themselves right now. That's their new religion. Me first. And here's a woman that didn't put herself first. She put her little girl ahead of her and she fell at Jesus' feet. He said, because of this answer, I tell you what, because you said the right things, you believe, you trust, you're, you're coming to the right place. Because of this, in, uh, this answer, go. It's interesting. The very first part of this passage says, Jesus got up, the woman fell down, and now Jesus says, go. Go. The demon has, what tense is that word? Has. That's past tense, isn't it? The demon's left. The little girl. This is the only miracle that Mark records that Jesus healed somebody without using a verbal command. He thought it, he did something, 
cast that demon out from the town where that little one was at. And he said, because of this answer, the demon's gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found, found the child lying on the bed, the demon, demon having left. Men and women, everything's going to be just like Jesus said. He told that mama, your daughter's okay. The demon's gone. And she found it just like he said. When we open up our Bibles and Tommy preaches on Sunday morning and you have teachers teach and you teach during the week and you come here on Sunday night and we read out of the Bible that says, thus saith the Lord, just know it's always going to turn out just like Jesus said. And when she got home, it was just like Jesus said. Let me review. Jesus went to the land of the Gentiles. We should be thankful he did because what are all of us here tonight? Unless you are a Jew that's come to know Christ, we are Gentiles saved by the mercy and grace of Jesus. We were not his chosen people, but now we've been grafted in. Jesus tried to get away and be alone, but the word of him prevented that. A certain woman with a certain daughter interrupted Jesus. Was this a good interruption? It was. Mama Bear showed up. And we too need to do whatever it takes, moms and dads, brothers and sisters, for everyone that we love so that they can be saved. There could be somebody you know you need to call on the phone, text, go see tonight. Would you do that? You'll be glad you did and they will be so glad that you did. Jesus went to the Jew first and we should hold them in honor and boast not against them. Humility and faith are always rewarded. Those who believe in Jesus will be blessed. And what a Mother's Day gift this mama was given to go home and see her little girl whole, delivered, free. I tell you, I would never have needed another gift the rest of my life if I'd have seen that. Little Luca. I can't tell you what a blessing that little child's been. Everybody kept saying, you wait till you have your first grandchild. You're just going to be worthless. Well, I am worthless times 10, I want to tell you. But we were at his other grandparents' home having a meal not long ago. And uh, he's probably, he was probably only two or three months old at that time. And the other granddad, you know, we have to share him with other people. That's not fair, is it? But they are fine Christian people that love Jesus, very generous, and we're so excited. He gets to spend so much time with them. They live very close. But the other granddad was praying before we had a meal together, and I'll never forget what he prayed. Jesus, thank you for this food. Bless the hands that prepared it. Sounds normal, doesn't it? And oh, we're celebrating the life of Luca James Spencer here today. We're so grateful for this little boy. And his whole family can't wait till the day that little Luca asks you into his heart to be his Lord and Savior too. The greatest gift we've ever been given or we can ever watch Jesus give to somebody else is what Mark led us singing about here tonight. 
Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. There'll be a day when that little boy will hear a song like that. And that same Holy Spirit that touched your heart, I pray, will touch his little bitty heart. Show him he's a sinner. Yeah, my grandson's a sinner too. Can you believe that? But that little boy will cry out to the same one this mama cried out. He may fall at his feet. He may with tears as an eight-year-old boy did that I know of very well, begging God to forgive him. And he'll be given the greatest gift of all, Jesus. You got anybody you need to tell tonight? Do you love them? I know you do. Go tell them about the lady who just wanted a crumb. That's all she wanted was just a crumb. And because she answered well, Jesus said, you've got it. You've got it. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. And when you get to heaven, ask this mama about her Mother's Day. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much as they come to lead us in our closing hymn. Would you just let us know how valuable the gift of salvation is. Lord, we knew that when we first got saved, although we probably couldn't articulate that, but we knew the greatest thing that ever happened to us, Lord, and no matter how many years ago that was or maybe if somebody's gonna do that tonight, would you never let us lose the awe of how wonderful it is to be saved. And oh Lord, I don't know if you do this or not, but would you tell that lady in heaven that we're thinking about her and we've read her story? And one day maybe we'll get to sit down with her and ask her what happened. Maybe we'll get to see that little girl. And she could say, let me tell you the story my mama told me about what Jesus did for me. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, talk with somebody before you leave. We're ready to help in any way we can. In Jesus' name, amen.